everybody, and welcome back to Podcast by Committee, your favorite podcast here at The Athletic, where we talk to beat reporters for about 40 minutes and uh, basically destroy their brains, asking them a bunch of fantasy questions that would uh, otherwise be irrelevant in their day-to-day lives. Today's guest from the Philadelphia Eagles, Zach Berman. What's up, Zach? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Uh, you can follow Zach on Twitter at ZBerm, and uh, in doing my research for this podcast, you have a, a humongous uh, headshot on byzacberman.com, I noticed. <laughs> I scrolled down. It took up my whole screen. Oh, yeah. I, I need to update that. That's, um, I had a book published back in October, and and so the website kind of corresponded with that. But that's something Yeah, I, plug the book, man. I, I was setting I up need for to the update book. That. I appreciate that. Yeah, so <laughs> I was logging it up. Go ahead. It's, uh, it's called it's called underdogs the philadelphia eagles emotional road to super bowl victory it's it's kind of behind the scenes of the moments and the people of the eagles super bowl season so uh it's i'm i'm pretty proud of of that product and and so when we launched the book or or when the book came out last october uh the website was was launched in conjunction with that it's by zachberman.com and zach with an h like Ertz. there you go yeah it's just like Ertz. it's interesting they have Zach Ertz and Zach Brown, and this is my eighth year covering the Eagles, um, and uh, it's the first time they've had two Zachs. Must be nice. <laughs> Must be nice. That's right. <laughs> um, all right, so let's dive in, man, because uh, I, I think uh, I think we have to start with Miles Sanders as, as a fantasy player and a fantasy podcast here. Um, it seems like every expert is like in love with Miles Sanders, and they're saying the same thing, like you know, Jordan Howard sucks. You got to get Miles Sanders. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's just like, you can't ignore Jordan Howard and Darren Sproles is there and this offense. And I think you noted this in the beat writer, um, survey that we did, you know, I think 173 carries is the most that Doug Peterson's ever given to a running back here. Um, how's this all going to play out? What, like, is Miles Sanders going to be, uh, like a steady kind of 12 to 15 touch force? Is he going to be like what Nick Chubb did to Carlos Hyde last year? Um, can you just kind of give us a future narrative on Miles Sanders? I, I, I think that the Nick Chubb comparison is actually an interesting one. I was I was thinking more of like Carry on Johnson, but um but certainly Jordan Howard's gonna have a role early on and he'll have a role throughout the season, I imagine, in, in early downs. But Miles Sanders' talent is is too much to keep off the field, A. And then B, the the draft investment that the Eagles made. Uh, this is a team that hasn't invested in the running back position in the draft really since LaShawn McCoy ten years ago. By taking Miles Sanders this year, it, it, it was a clear sign that things might be changing in terms of their approach. And it's also a, a obviously really talented running back. He's done nothing this summer that has dissuaded the organization from thinking that. And, and, and frankly, the way he's played, especially on passing downs, picking up the blitz, uh, will only help him in terms of getting playing time early. I think the complicating factor here, it's, it's not just Jordan Howard. It's also the fact that they signed Darren Sproles right before training camp. And if you look at Doug Peterson's history, he plays Darren Sproles. He, he, he trusts Sproles on third down. He wants to get Sproles involved in the offense. So that's another variable that is hard to account for when you're considering how much Sanders is going to play because you, you know Jordan Howard's going to run the ball. It's unlikely Jordan Howard's going to have a big role in the passing game even though he kind of wants to add that that part to his game. Miles Sanders, they view as a, as a three-down type back. 
I'm just curious where those downs are going to come. So my guess is early in the season, you see him getting, I'd say, around 10 touches a game. And then I think it progresses to the point that when we have this conversation in December, he's going to have a much bigger role. Is, is this a Peterson um... – Maybe we're asking the wrong question here. Is this Peterson's philosophy to to limit the running backs and use them by committee? Or has he just not had that running back like Miles Sanders to be able to say, okay, 250 touches, easy, let's go? Great question. It's a little bit of both. Uh, now, now, part of it is that he likes running backs who can do different types of things. He likes to keep his his running backs fresh. The other part of it is is that they haven't really had someone like this you know that if you look his his first year he gave Ryan Matthews the ball quite a bit Ryan Matthews was kind of injury prone that 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 year Wendell Smallwood was a rookie they had Darren Sproles getting him involved some and then 2017 when they won the Super Bowl it was really a committee approach especially early on when they had LeGarrette Blunt, but but then they also mixed in Sproles mixed in Smallwood Sproles got hurt that year and then they traded for Jay Ajayi and Jay Jai was supposed to go into last year as kind of the lead running back. Uh, and then he got hurt as well. So I think that they really haven't had someone like Miles Sanders who they want to give the ball to 20, 25 times a game. And I think if if it gets to the point that that the, the talent is too much to keep off the field, you're going to see a trend in that direction. They like Jordan Howard quite a bit. Jordan Howard has has proven – that he can be a reliable running back, especially on early downs. So I don't think this is going to be a situation where Miles Sanders is what LaShawn McCoy was, you know, in, in 2011, 12, and 13. But I do think that it's going to trend in that direction. Um, on the Darren Sproles, just a quick follow-up on Sproles. Uh, should we, I mean, should we read anything into the fact that they didn't bring him in until a little later on? Like if, if Peterson loves using him so much, um, how come he wasn't there like right from the beginning? I don't think that he he wanted to be at OTAs at minicamp. Honestly, oh, okay. <laughs> um, okay, I, cool. I think yeah, I think I I think that has something to do with it. Is is that he's a veteran player who knows the offense. His his family's out in California. It was one of those things where they were you know they wanted to give the snaps to some other guys during the spring and summer, um, or I, I guess during the spring, and they just told him to wait by his phone. The thing with Sproles is I think he's best served as their returner, and then a guy you play maybe five, six snaps a game in certain situations. If he's your designated third down back at this point in his career, uh, I don't know if that's the best course of action for the Eagles, and it's certainly not the best course of action for fantasy football owners. Is I mean, in PPR leagues, uh, is there any, should we even consider Darren Sproles or just like keep it moving? I would keep it moving, but if you look at Doug Peterson's history, he he, he wants to get him on the field. So that's why I want to see if this year – is going to be any different. If Darren Sproles is playing just about every third down for the Eagles, then certainly valuable in PPR leagues because there will be you know three, four catches a game. Uh, but Sproles hasn't shown these past two years that he can, he can remain healthy, and the backfield is just significantly better than it's been these past two years as well. All right. Um, Jordan Howard, I mean, uh, like I know he's, he's in the mix. I is he just kind of like a boring stay away from you, or is there some kind of maybe upside potential? Like, is Miles Sanders maybe drops a couple more passes, or you know, I, I don't know. I yeah. honestly don't see a path to him having like more than twelve for fifty and maybe a touchdown type games throughout the whole season. Exactly. I, I think for fantasy purposes, he'd be touchdown dependent. 
Uh, you know, I, I think there's somewhat of a safe floor for him because he's going to get a few touches a game. It's not going to be a situation where there's no carries. Uh, but I don't think there's much upside there unless he's finding the end zone or unless Miles Sanders gets hurt. When you talk about running back touchdowns, though, Doug Peterson likes to throw the ball inside the 10-yard line. You, you look at, at 2017 season for Carson Wentz, uh, he, had, he did not have a lot of yards relative to you know, some of the other top quarterbacks, but his touchdowns were at a historic pace, at, at least for the Eagles, and a lot of that was because they were throwing the ball inside the red zone. So I also want to see how much they're really running with him. I mean, LeGarrette Blunt did not have a high touchdown total in 2017 and it was a lot different than the way he was used in new England in that situation. Okay. So, uh, really nothing's working for Jordan Howard at all. this year. <laughs> yeah, It's going to uh, be a good offense. That's the thing, you know, is, is, is that they're going to move the ball on, on offense. He's going to get playing time. If you want a, a running back, who's going to be on the field in a good offense, then you can go with Howard. Just, just the reality is you need to keep your expectations in line, you look at him as as a high floor guy, certainly not a high ceiling guy. Okay. Um, all right. I mean, maybe he'll get a Super Bowl ring, but for fantasy purposes, uh, <laughs> maybe we move on to the tight end position. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, so your fantasy guy, you know, it's Kittle, Kelsey, and Ertz are like the top three tight ends. Um, and, you know, the, the, the more we get closer to the season and people are doing drafts and they're grouping these three together – um, I kind of like, are people just sleeping on Dallas Gader? I mean, like, it's, it's one of those things where like, you know, Kittle and Kelsey seem totally established and don't have anyone else there. And, you know, they're huge parts of the offense. Um, but Ertz, I kind of feel like, you know, maybe dock him a little bit because there is not exactly competition, but there's another good receiving tight end in the mix. Right. Or am I wrong on that? You're not wrong on that. I don't think Dallas Goddard's going to be taking snaps away from Zach Ertz. I think Dallas Goddard snaps a more effect, say Nelson Aguilar, Deshaun Jackson, a little bit Alshon Jeffrey. I, I think they'll play more two tight end sets. Uh, Zach Ertz is, you know, he's he's a franchise guy for them, a, 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 or he's he's one of their elite players. And I don't think they're they're going to be looking to take him off the field much. Now, I don't think he's going to be a 116 catch guy again. I think he'll be more in that 80 to 90 range. Last year there was just a confluence of factors, including wide receiver injuries that contributed to how much he was getting the ball. Uh, I wouldn't expect the same level of receiving production or at least receptions from Ertz. But Goddard is an interesting case study because when you go to Eagles practice, it's very clear this guy should be playing. Uh, He was a second round pick last year, has loads of talent, really good receiver, good after the catch. The thing is, to get him on the field, someone has to come off. It's the way you ask. It's the way you ask the question here: Are you taking Zach Ertz off the field, or are you playing more two tight end sets? And if you play two tight end sets, then which receiver's coming off the field? Um, so right. I'm actually not as bullish on Goddard as some in Philadelphia are because I don't think he's going to be a seventy percent, sixty percent snap guy. I I think he'll be more in between fifty percent and sixty percent. Uh, so. I think Goddard's going to have a role, and and Goddard's going to have production. I just don't know if he's going to have the opportunities that he would if he was on a different roster. 
I, uh, I want to apologize for Frenching up his last name there. I don't have my pronunciation guide yet. <laughs> no worries. No worries. Still coming off a of baseball. Uh, <laughs> Goddard. Um, so where do, you, where do you have the tight ends ranked? Do you have, do you have Ertz number three after Kelsey Kittle? Or, or you know, you say he's, he's going to lose some receptions off of last year. Um, yeah. Is he your number well, three, I, though? He's definitely in the, in, in the top three. I'm, I'm curious to see if, if Kittle has the same year he had last year. Uh, so, 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 you know, I, I think Kelsey's the, the clear number one for fantasy purposes. Um, I still think Ertz is going to have a really productive year. I think he's, he's just so reliable. You know what you're getting in him. I mean, even before he exploded last year with 116 catches, what those, those previous few years, he was 75 plus every year, 800 plus yards. And I, I think that's the absolute floor for him because in the, in those years too, he didn't play 16 games. He, he finally played 16 games last year. Uh, so if you're looking at it, I think you can count on 80-plus catches from him. You can count on 900-plus or maybe 1,000-plus yards. You can count on six-plus touchdowns. Um, you know, he's had eight touchdowns each of the past two years. Uh, so I I would prefer Ertz in it just because you know what you're getting at a position where there's so much inconsistency. And if you can take that inconsistency out of it, uh, I just think Ertz is just going to give you steady production. Okay. Um, so moving on to the other guy whose last name ends in TZ, which I didn't really notice until I put these questions together. I'm like, oh, there's Wentz and Ertz. Um, we haven't seen a ton of Carson Wentz um, in terms of like his season. You know, like he, he's he's not – we don't have his tendencies and, and the receivers that he likes, I think, as fantasy yeah. players because of the injuries and, and all the complications. Um you did make it. There was, there was a great note you had that Wentz's uh, 2017 MVP season, uh, he actually had a preseason that year, and he didn't have one in, in his two other years in the pros uh, because of that. The, well, I mean, he had a little bit of one, but then broke his rib, and then last year, obviously, he was coming back from, from the ACL injury um, and surgery. Uh, so I, do you think that's going to play into him being awesome again as having this 2019 preseason like he did in 2017? Yeah, so he's they're not playing him this this preseason, but he has training camp, and that's critical right, because right. he's he's not going into the year injured. Um, everything is in place for him to have a 2017 like season, perhaps even more. Uh, he he's he's healthy going into the year. He has the best group of skill position players that he's had during his time here. He's in the offense for the fourth year here. Same system, same head coach. Uh, he has a really good offensive line in, fr- in front of him. So everything's in place. And and really, that's kind of the theme of the, of the or- from the organization. You know, they gave him the contract. Uh, so they've kind of made sure that, that Carson's in the place he, he needs to be. I really I, – I, I see this as, as fairly binary. I, I think Carson Wentz is, is, is going to have just an outstanding year or he's going to be injured. I don't think there's going to be like a mediocre Carson Wentz like there was at times last season. Uh, so I, I, I think he would just explode in fantasy purposes or he's, he's, he's going to be on the sideline. Um, but he's, he's playing well right now. He's, he has so much talent around him. Uh, the thing that you got to watch with him is, is that he was so good in 2017 on third downs in, in, in the red zone and then improvising and, and, and really running and creating plays. And the one thing that I would be cautious about is the Eagles so far in practice have kind of kept him in the pocket. And, and th- that's not what Carson Wentz does best. He's, he's best when he's off schedule. 
He's best when they allow him to be creative. My personal opinion is come the season, he'll be playing that way. Uh, and they're just kind of playing safe with him right now. But that's that's the only thing that would keep him from having you know major production, in, in, in my opinion, is, is if they almost neuter the way he plays. Well. Wow. Um, and it's interesting you say like the binary thing, like it's, uh, is he, is he like a, re- a repeated injury risk? Or are you just saying he just gets injured so much? He's kind of like not reckless, but you know, an improviser, I guess that. Yeah. I mean, uh, he's, he's, he's played three NFL seasons and he's ended two of them on the sideline. So, right. you know, that's, that's just the reality of it. He, he, now it's, it's not like the same injury, you know, he tore his ACL right. in 2017, he had a back injury last year. But if, if you go back to his time at, at North Dakota State, he got hurt as you know in his senior year at, at North Dakota State. He got hurt um, in the preseason 2016. Every one of these have been different injuries. But some guys, as 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 you well know, just just get hurt more than others. So he needs to prove he can stay healthy. Got it. Um, are you seeing him with any, I mean, I, I know it's only been practices, but is there like any special kind of rapport that, that would turn kind of like, um, you know, what we expect from Alshon Jeffrey into that plus like another 15%, just, just from what you're seeing with your eyes. Well, the, the joke among Eagles fans has always been like, has been like too much earth in, in that I don't think there's, there's such a thing, but last year, especially Wentz would go to Ertz often. And I think that's because Ertz is so good at getting open, but Ertz is, is the guy Wentz really trusts. Now, when you're watching practice, uh, when you're watching practice, that's not as apparent because you know they're spreading the ball more. But uh, Wentz to Ertz is a connection you can count on. They are so close; they played together since Wentz came into the NFL. Um, that's I still think I still say Zach Ertz is their number one receiver. Uh, now, other than that, Deshaun Jackson. They're going to get Deshaun Jackson involved deep. They're going to get Deshaun Jackson involved in space. They're going to throw the ball to Deshaun quite a bit. Uh, but I'm not as bullish on Deshaun as some other people are because when you watch practice, and this goes to answer your question, they're getting Nelson Aguilar involved every single day. Uh, Nelson is returning to the slot, which is really where he was best when he in that 2017 season. He did not have a deep threat last year because Mike Wallace was out for the year in week two. Uh, now you add Deshaun Jackson, that's going to open up space for Nelson. I'm higher on Nelson than some other people are because uh, you know the Eagles are are paying him $9.4 million this year. They're not doing that for him to be just a complimentary down-the-depth chart player. They're paying him that for him to have a, a big role in this offense. So I'm higher on, on, on uh, Nelson Aguilar than others. And then the other target is Alshon, and it's interesting with Alshon because he's he's in theory their number one receiver. His production hasn't matched up to that these past two years, uh, but he's healthy going into the year, which he wasn't last year. Um, you know, I, I I think he's so consistent in terms of his ability to get open. I I think they're gonna they're gonna get him the ball. So. Uh, I know I, I've just mentioned four guys, and so that's 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 kind of bad for fantasy purposes because this isn't a team that's like getting Julio Jones the ball so often. This is a team that's 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 really trying to uh, to to spread it out. And if you think to their Super Bowl season when Wentz was an MVP candidate, um, they did not have a thousand yard receiver. 
Oh, okay. Well, great. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> See you later, Zach. Um, I did. I pulled a quote from. Uh, I think this is. I think this is one of the stories that was just you, not one of the the you and Bo uh, double by lines. But um, I just want to read it here because it goes back to Agalor and, and how much you like him. I guess. So I assume this is you. Uh, Wentz fits a pass through a tight window to Nelson Aguilar, who grabs the catch across the middle. Expect to see that frequently this year. I still expect Aguilar to have a big role in the offense. Um, so it's 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 going to be a lot of things like that and let him get yards after catches is going to be playing to his strengths. And I mean, for, yeah. for people who play in like the, like the big play leagues, I know they're looking at Deshaun Jackson a lot, um, you know, to get the big play. But is Aguilar going to be able to have just chances to break free and, and make some of those big runs? He he will um, because there's just gonna be space for him to operate. There's 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 gonna be attention deep on Deshaun. There's gonna be attention in the middle of the field with Zach Ertz, uh, and that's what it was back in in 2017. And frankly, that's what it wasn't last year. Uh, so so I it, and especially when the Eagles traded for Golden Tate last year, like I I, I would if 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 you want to look at some interesting numbers, look at Golden. Oh, I'm sorry, look at Nelson Aguilar's numbers. Before Golden Tate came, and Nelson Aguilar's numbers after Golden Tate came, and and you'll see a bit of a difference there. Um, th- that they 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 really like Nelson. Now I don't think he's a thousand yard receiver for them, uh, but I I think he's a sixty plus catch guy for them. And if if he's you know sixty plus catches, eight hundred plus yards, and can find the end zone five six times, that's that's a, a solid receiver for you, depending on the depth of your league. Um, so I, I just, I, I'm confident Nelson's going to be involved. The, the, the competition for Nelson, in my opinion, is not Deshaun Jackson. The competition is Dallas Goddard. If, if, if they're committed to getting Dallas Goddard on the field more and they want to play more two tight end sets, I don't think the Eagles are going to move Nelson to the outside as often. Uh, so in that case, you're taking your slot receiver off the field. And and I, I think that's the biggest challenge for for, for Nelson right now. I, I think getting Deshaun Jackson here helps Nelson Aguilar. I think trying to work Dallas Goddard into the mix will hurt him. So um, this is kind of neat. Like I, I don't know if people are picking up on this who are listening, but uh, you're a fantasy guy. Like you, I mean, you you know exactly what's what's going on here, and what we're looking for, right? So Nelson Aguilar is more like a eleventh round maybe a depth guy who maybe comes into your flex once in a while. People are injured. Exactly. Yeah, I think, yeah. yeah, I would say he, he's a flex guy, bi-week replacement, unless uh, there's an injury. If there's, if Deshaun goes down, which he's done in recent years, um, if Alshon Jeffrey gets hurt, uh, then, then I, I would look to Nelson more, but I just think, I think the Eagles as, as good an offense as they're going to have, um, they're tough from a fantasy perspective because of the amount of weapons. Like if you're looking for week to week production, Carson Wentz and Zach Ertz are really the only two guys that like I, I could feel confident telling you uh, are going to be good every week. Um, gotcha. I think beyond that, a lot of it's going to be matchups. And, and, and that's the thing I, I should say is that the Eagles really want to have a matchup dependent offense in, in the sense that when there's a team that isn't covering tight ends as well, they're going to get Dallas Goddard on the field. They're going to take advantage. You know, they're going to try to force them to either take a linebacker off the field or have, you know, or if there's a weak safety, to try to have that safety cover Goddard. If if there's a team that 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 doesn't have depth at cornerbacks, then they're going to spread you out. They're going to get Nelson Aguilar on the field more often, and they're going to take advantage of their mismatch in the slot. 
Um, well, you know, so my next question was actually about a guy in Jacksonville. Uh, so I just <laughs> wanted to make sure. I just want to wrap up the Eagles very nicely, just kind of asking, like, uh, is there? there's not really room for, for a, a breakout here, right? Like, there's not, like, a an unknown guy who's doing really well in camp. Um, and I've read, I've read your stuff. I, I think, um, oh crap. I already forgot his name. Jeffries, uh, who's being converted to tight end. Has, oh, has Perkins, been, Joshua Perkins. Perkins. Sorry. Yeah. Perkins. Uh, uh, but I mean, look, yeah. there's no room. I mean, th- this offense already has so many people kind of fighting for targets and passes in the ball that, um, you don't have, you don't have that guy who you can be like, you know, look out for Benny Fowler jr. You know, like on the giants, there's not like that guy. Cause there's really no space for anyone else. Right. No, but I'll, I'll say if you're looking for, for that guy, it's uh, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Um, not Ortega, it's actually Arth- Ortega-Whiteside. So oh, nice. I, 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 yeah, so that's a little pronunciation thing. Um, he's, he's their second-round pick this year. He'll be real good in, in – or I, I don't want to say real good. He'll be used in red zone situations especially. He, his, he's, he's good in jump ball situations. Uh, and he's someone who, if you're playing – in a dynasty league um, could have like late round value for you because uh, you know, the Eagles receiving situation could look a lot different next year than it does this year. And then the other thing I'll say is that if you're in a dynasty league, go heavy on miles Sanders. Uh, I would feel confident in that Jordan Howard is a free agent at the end of the year. I wouldn't expect the Eagles to bring him back. Um, and if the Eagles do bring him back, my guess is it's in a complimentary role to miles Sanders. I think Miles Sanders is, is is one of these guys who, if you're in a draft or an auction, you're thinking about 2020. As you know, I would say similar to Carry On Johnson last year. You're you're gonna have a, a few weeks where he plays really well, but then going into the 2020 season, he's a top 10, top 15 back. Okay. All right. Nice. I didn't expect the sleeper. This is uh, so. We do this every episode. I'm, I'm adding our thing of Whiteside to the uh, to the list of sleepers that we've gotten from doing this show, the deep sleepers. So thank you very yeah, much. Now, Zach. now he's he's in, and he's also if if Valshon Jeffrey gets hurt, that's when you want Arthur Arthur Whiteside because that's kind of the role in the offense he'll he'll play as as the big body receiver on the outside. Um, and so he's not someone you're you're going into your draft or auction planning. To really roster, unless you're thinking of, of down the line, but he could be a really valuable injury replacement if Alshon goes down. Awesome, cool, that is perfect for the show. Uh, <laughs> moving on to Nick Foles, um, and the, the part of the show we like to call uh, things you've seen on other teams. Uh, you've <laughs> obviously been around the Eagles forever. Yeah. Uh, Nick Foles is now in Jacksonville. Uh, for, before we get into Nick Foles, a fantasy asset, I just want to co- like the Nick Foles coffee story. Like I like that's why I think people love the Athletic. Is something oh, like that, you. and the quote, the I forget who it was who said he didn't want to drink butter because you're talking about how Foles made that he's this crazy barista who makes all these different kinds of coffee, and uh, and he was putting like unsalted butter in there and all kinds of yeah. weird stuff. Um, and I think you even, there, I think it was Zach Ertz who's like, I'm a Dunkin' guy, and you noted that's that's his, that's his, that's a sponsor. Yeah, so, exactly. Uh, yeah, it just hit on so many levels, and I thought the coffee thing was amazing, and it's cool. I mean, like the players were actually saying it helped them a little bit, like it. It made them feel better um, with this crazy yeah. Nick Foles coffee stuff. Yeah, I, I appreciate you saying that because I so I I've covered Foles. Frankly, we came I, I, the year I started on the Eagles beat 2012 was Foles' his, his rookie year. So it's it's not hyperbole to say like I've I've written 
about Foles thousands of times, you know, from the time that he came to the Eagles to, you know, the 27 touchdown, two interception season, uh, the, the, the 2014 season when he was hurt, then they traded him. Then he came back, won the Super Bowl with him. Uh, so I, I, I've covered Foles every which angle. And I was trying to think of, of what the different type of angle you could do. And so that coffee thing was always in the back of my mind because, because it's, it's something I had uh, heard quite a bit about during this past year and a half. And, and, and so, uh, yeah, I was happy I got to write that story. That was cool. It was very cool. Um, and how, you know, they're kind of carrying on the tradition now um, without him. But uh, uh, Nick Foles, a fantasy player. Can you just, I mean, it could be real quick, but I mean, you just knowing him and knowing how he plays, uh, can you just give a quick, quick little rundown of what to expect if someone is listening to this show, obviously a fantasy player, and is wondering, you know, maybe there's some insight on Nick Foles that I'm missing uh, from someone who's kind of watched him in depth for for a while. Um, yeah. You know, should they give him a boost or is he okay, like, you know, where he is down in the doldrums of QB2 area? He's just such a high-variance player that there will be some weeks when he looks outstanding and there are some weeks when when he he really struggles. And if you look in his career at the times he's had quarterback ratings over 100, and quarterback ratings over 80, uh, it's it's pretty interesting that that's kind of the norm, whereas between 80 and 100 is 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 not the norm. And and, and for most quarterbacks, you're actually looking at, at those steady performances as, as the norm. That hasn't been Nick's case. And, and, and frankly, that's why Nick hasn't been a, a full-time starting quarterback since that. 2015 season in St. Louis because he just hasn't been consistent enough. Now he, he did play better obviously during these past two years, number one. And then he's with John Filippo, who knows his strengths. So that will help him. I've just, I, I just, I've seen so much variance from Foles. If it's the right day, if it's the right matchup, he's, he's going to blow up and he's going to have a big game. Um, but if it's a tough matchup, if it's a cold day, something like that, uh, then it might not be the best Nick Foles performance. So uh, I wouldn't necessarily have him as as my number one fantasy quarterback, but I I, I do think he's he's going to make uh, a lot of the players in Jacksonville around him better. You know, when when you go from Blake Bortles to Nick Foles, I, I certainly think that's an upgrade for whether it's it's Westbrook, whether it's you know if if Marquise Lee's healthy. I just think it's 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 going to make uh, it's going to improve the Jacksonville weapons, maybe then it improves Nick Foles' stock. Gotcha. Um, and in our last bit of uh, of not Eagles questioning, uh, you were watching the joint practices with the Ravens. Um, did anyone really stand out? Like I, I know Mark Andrews' name seemed to pop up a little bit, um, but you know there's Hayden Hurst there. It's it, it, was there anyone you were watching? You were like, I've got to get him on my fantasy team. Yeah, so that's a good question because I was actually I I, I was spending. The first day I watched exclusively Eagles offense versus Ravens defense. And then the second day um, I watched a little more Ravens offense. And uh, the guy, the there were two rookies who really jumped out. First off, Miles Boykin um, had had a good two days from everything I understood. And then the, the time that I saw him, yeah, he, he looked all right. And then, um, and then Justice Hill, who uh, – you know, I, I knew a lot about him at, at Oklahoma State. I, I, I knew a lot about him going into the draft, but 
haven't really read much about him during these past few weeks because I've kind of been locked down in, in Eagles coverage. And I kind of picked my head up on a play and I said, man, who's, who's 43 on Baltimore? That, that guy can really move. And it was Justice Hill. And so when you look at the fact that's going to be a, a run-centric offense, Mark Ingram was obviously their top running back. But in terms of a change of pace player, um, Justice Hill was interesting there. So I, I think those two rookies, Miles Boykin and, and, and Justice Hill, were pretty interesting. Oh, nice. Thank you, Zach. Uh, let's get into the getting to know Zach. We got 10 All questions. Right. Uh, I got rid of the band one, so don't worry. You don't have to answer <laughs> any music questions. Um, by the way, you can follow Zach on Twitter at ZBerm, Z-B-E-R-M. Um, let's get to it. 10 questions. Number one, what's your go-to Gatorade flavor? <laughs> uh, so I would go the, the yellow lemon-lime flavor. Um, I, I know that's kind of traditional, but growing up, that's what the uh, top Gatorade flavor always was. That well, and I've, grape. And I, I haven't had grape in a while. I've been more of a lemon-lime guy. Very impressed you call it yellow and not green, like the, <laughs> like the sociopaths do. Um, <laughs> uh, number two, what was your favorite cartoon when you were growing up? Yeah, yeah, I was a sports center guy, so I I admit I I did not watch uh, cartoons growing up. Uh, so I was I was always I was always sports center. Uh, number three, are you Acropolis or Varsity? <laughs> All right, that's a Syracuse question. Oh man, yeah, of uh, course, I, like I that. grew up there. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was a ZJ's guy. Um, but between I don't even know what those, that is. yeah, ZJ's it was well, it was a bar that had the Sunday ticket on. So you know, when 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 you're a big football fan at Syracuse, um, and you want to watch all the games, you got to find the bars that have uh, Sunday tickets. So there was, you could either go to Toys, you know, if you had a car, or if you're on campus, you would go to ZJ's, and I would go to ZJ's, and they had real good thin crust pizza back then. Um, I don't even know if it's still there, but of those two you mentioned, uh, I'd have to say Acropolis more so than than, than Varsity. Varsity is kind of like the old staple, but in terms of the pizza, I think I like the Acropolis better. But I, I was a ZJ's guy of the three. All right. Um, what's the best thing you cook? <laughs> uh, my my wife's a good cook, so she does most of the cooking. But when she's gone, uh, I. <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say this, but uh, uh, grilled cheese. That was always my my, <laughs> my right. staple was grilled cheese in the George Foreman grill. And it's it's just easy to make. It, it can really it, – it could work for three meals, uh, you know, because you can have it for breakfast too. So uh, – so and it's, it's it's just easy. So, I mean, I, I can grill, you know, and I'll, I'll – I, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm getting better on the grill now that, uh, you know, I have a wife and kids. But um, – my staple when I was younger was just was just making grilled cheese. Outside of your own book, what's the other book you recommend to people to read? Uh, well, I'm a, I'm a big reader, so there's there's a lot there. Uh, I love when I was younger, like when I was first getting into the business, uh, or even before that, "Flashing Before My Eyes" by by Dick Shack. Uh, if 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 you're like an aspiring sports writer or just interested in, in kind of what it, it used to be like, um, that, uh, that was terrific. Uh, there's a lot of non-sports books that I can, I, I, I can get into there. Um, but, uh, I would say that when I was younger, um, flashing before my eyes was, was one that I, I really enjoyed. Uh, I'll, I'll, you know, to stay on kind of sports, but not necessarily like sports journalism. Um, or about sports journals. And there was a book I read a few years ago called the sports gene. 
um, by by David Epstein that that uh, that really makes you think about kind of the science involved in sports and um, that that was a fascinating book. So I would say for the listeners of this podcast, they might enjoy that. I, I would look that one up, the Sports Gene. Wow, uh, I'm sorry to follow up that highbrow answer with this, but what's your what's your favorite breakfast cereal? <laughs> <laughs> sorry, <laughs> um, no worries. I'm bring um, us back now. Yeah. So uh, so. I, I don't eat cereals as as much anymore, but I was a big cinnamon toast crunch guy when I was younger. That was my favorite. But I'm 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 more of like a, a regular food for for breakfast person now. So if it's like leftovers from from the night before, or uh, you know, even like like a sandwich. Like I I I like real food for breakfast as opposed to breakfast food. Okay, this next one is is more of a test, but uh, what is the world's greatest hot dog? World's greatest hot dog? Yeah. Um, uh, is, is is this like a Syracuse uh, test? It is. The- it is. We're just waiting for you to say Hoffman hot dog, Zach. Come on. Uh, uh, I didn't like the you know the, they were what kind of color were those anyway? They were almost like whitish. Well, you can yeah, remember those, those are the conies. Those are the white ones. Okay, yeah, yeah. With veal. Come on, man. Veal hot dogs. Yeah, yeah, I didn't love those. Um, not the. I think the best hot dog is is like the hot dogs from the street carts. And you know, if you're in New York City and you're in a rush okay. and you just you grab a hot Star dog, you did, you did Star Ledger yeah. for a little while, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, nice. I covered the Giants uh, for two years. Uh, lived in Hoboken, and uh, yeah, and so I, I I would take the path in, into the city a lot. And and if you're in a rush, uh, it's it's just quick. It's inexpensive. So uh, yeah, I was I I like the hot dog carts. I'm changing question number seven. Uh, were you a Benny Tadino's guy or an HS Giovanni's guy? What um, a uh, pizza themed questions here. But you said Hoboken. <laughs> yeah, were you Benny Tadino's guy in Hoboken? Um, no, I I was not. I was um, the, 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 shoot, there was a place um on. Second and second Willow, maybe. Uh, the names escape me now. I was there in 2010, 2011. Um, right. And yeah, but I, I, I mean, there was some great pizza in uh, Hoboken. And, and then there was a place, um, Leo's Rendezvous, which which it's not a pizza oh, yeah. place. It's like an Italian Cash place. Only, man. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I've messed up so pie. many times. So if, if you sit at the bar, you can get a bar pie and and it's it's like you 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 eat it yourself um that uh that was really good so but but actually so so the two years in hoboken i i in in uh at the star ledger i, I should say for some reason i was going to foxborough a lot to cover games up up there and so i uh, i would drive from hoboken to foxborough and i would stop in new haven for frank pepe's pizza and so that was um I, I ate that. I ate too much during those two years. <laughs> um, you're 15 years old again. Who's your celebrity crush? All right. So, um, let's see. So I'm, I'm 33 now. So 15 years old would put me in like the 2001 range. Um, so like that was kind of the tail end of, I was, I was really into Jennifer Love Hewitt when I was in like, like middle school. And I, so I guess 15, like early high school, so I would have to say Jennifer Love Hewitt uh, at that point. And then I was kind of like transitioning into I, I liked uh, Sloan from Entourage. Um, All right. 
but but that was I think Andrade came out like my my senior year of high school. So that was a little after 15 years old. So I, I guess for that age range, I, I would go Jennifer Love Hewitt. We'll accept both answers. Um, and, <laughs> and last last question for Zach Berman: uh, What is your drink of choice? My so so uh, if if I'm just having a beer with someone, it's it, it'll just be like a a a, a Yingling. Um, which is popular here in in Philly. If I'm getting like a cocktail, um, an old fashioned, uh, but um, I'm, my favorite drink uh, is is actually a milkshake. Um, so okay. it, it would be non alcoholic. It would just be like a like a cookies and cream milkshake. That was um, that's like the biggest treat for me is is a milkshake to the point that that like my my wife had it, so they were giving out milkshakes at our wedding because that's like. That's 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 my favorite drink of all is 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 a milkshake. That is awesome. Um, that's it. I was getting to know Zach Berman. Uh, Zach, thank you so much. Uh, make sure if you're listening, check out buyzachberman.com. That's Zach with an H. Uh, he's at zberm on Twitter. Um, and thanks, man. This is this is really great stuff. We're we're all in on Miles Sanders. Thanks to you. So Sally Forth. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. I I appreciate that, and I I've enjoyed this. I I I would just say to the listeners, please go to my page on the athletic because the by Zach Berman that I I'm, I'm going to update that. That was, that was more when the book was coming out and I appreciate that. Uh, but I'm real pumped here to be at, at the athletic. I started in mid July and have a, have a lot of just, just, just real fun stuff coming up during these next few months of the season. So oh, definitely crap. go to my po- office. Oh, you podcast. You get the podcast with Bo. Yes, yes, and and uh, she was and she was as, as, as well sometimes. Uh, Birds with friends, and we'll be doing that a few times a week. You guys have a good rapport already. Even the writing, like you two, kind of uh, going back and forth, and then uh, mocking Sheil a little bit for his his new national writer status. It's been uh, it's been very natural, man. It's like you've been here for much longer than just a couple months. So yeah, well, I, I've I've worked with you know I've I've worked in the same media room with with both those guys since. 2012. Uh, Bo left for a little bit. She went to Seattle for a little bit, but I've, I've known them for a while. So when this, so when this opportunity came up at, at the athletic during, you know, the, the spring summer, I was, uh, I was ecstatic, not just to join, but also to, to, to work with them because, you know, they've been friends for a few years now. Nice. Um, so Zach Berman, thank you again, man, for everything. Uh, I hope people listening enjoyed this and got a lot of information out of it. Philadelphia Eagles podcast by committee, Zach Berman. Thank you very much. Anytime. Thanks again.